Chapter Twenty Three of the Western United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Western United States: A Geographical Reader by Harold Wellman Fairbanks. Chapter Twenty Three: How Climate and Physical Features Influenced the Settlement of the West. The story of the exploration and settlement of the Pacific coast, and of the great region lying between the Pacific slopes and the Mississippi Valley, offers a most interesting opportunity to study the control which physical features of the earth exert upon the trend of men's activities. The position of the mountains, the courses of the rivers, and the characters of the sea-coast have all helped to shape the history of the West. The presence of gold in the rocks of the Sierra Nevada mountains was the chief incentive which led to the breaking down of the barriers placed by nature between the Pacific and the Mississippi Basin. When an unknown land is accessible by water, the shoreline offers the easiest means for the first explorations and settlements. So it came about that nearly all the eastern coast of North America was known before men ventured far into the interior. Then the large rivers, like the St. Lawrence, the Hudson, and the Mississippi, seemed to offer inviting routes into the recesses of the continent, but exploration through the pathless woods and rough mountains was slow. It was soon discovered that the Hudson was a short river and did not lead across the continent as was at first hoped. Because of the absence of other large rivers upon that portion of the coast which the English occupied, their settlements did not spread westward as rapidly as they otherwise would have done. The country was covered with dense forest, and savage Indians disputed the right to occupy it. In time, however, passes were found leading over the Appalachian Mountains to the Ohio River, and through the Mohawk Valley to the region of the Great Lakes. The advantages for travel offered by the St. Lawrence River and the chain of lakes above it were utilized at an early day. The route of the French missionary explorers and fur traders was from Montreal up the Ottawa River, then by a short portage and a series of small lakes to Lake Huron. From this point the most remote shores of Lake Superior and Michigan could be easily reached. By the aid of several small bodies of water west of Lake Superior, Lake Winnipeg and Great Slave Lake were finally discovered, but from this point the waterways into the west were small and could be followed no farther, so that it was a long time before the Rocky Mountains were crossed. By floating down the Illinois River, the French arrived at the Mississippi, explored much of its course, and took possession of the country in advance of the English. This fact was directly due to the difficulties which the English explorers experienced in forcing their way over the Appalachian highlands. The Spanish explored the southern shores of the continent, and crossing the isthmus were the first to behold the Pacific. The fact that the Pacific coast of North America was so easily reached at this point gave the Spanish a great advantage, and explains why they gained such a hold upon the lands bordering that ocean. It was a comparatively simple matter for them to fit out ships, and sailing north and south, to take possession wherever they desired. However, when they had gone as far as California, their progress was for a long time 
almost completely blocked by storms and headwinds, for the prevailing direction of the wind is down the coast. The Spanish finally reached Vancouver Island, but never succeeded in making settlements north of San Francisco. Even the interior of California was little known to them, for the mountains and deserts discouraged their progress in that direction. From an examination of a map, we might suppose that the Colorado River would offer as good a means for penetrating the continent as did the Mississippi River. But as a matter of fact, it is navigable for a comparatively short distance. The Spanish made one attempt to ascend this river, but finding themselves surrounded on every hand by a most desolate, barren country, they turned back before reaching the Grand Canyon. In the eager search for gold, the Spaniards pushed north from Mexico, and planted settlements in Arizona and New Mexico, but upon the northwest their progress was stopped by canyons and deserts. Now we are prepared to understand why it was that the western portion of North America remained for so long a time a mysterious and unknown region. There were no waterways by which it could be explored, while snow-clad mountains and deserts made access to it doubly difficult. By the beginning of the last century, the Americans had overcome the natural obstacles in their westward progress, and their settlements reached as far into the wilderness as the Mississippi River. Hunters and traders were soon pushing far beyond, spreading over the Great Plains and up to the very base of the Rocky, or Stony Mountains, as they were then called. The Missouri River became the great highway into the northwest, for the adventurers took advantage of the streams wherever possible. Many other rivers were discovered flowing from the western mountains, but with the exception of the Platte and Arkansas, they were generally too shallow for navigation, even with a light canoe. Starting in the early spring from the mouth of the Missouri, the hardy trappers sailed and paddled up the river, taking several months to reach the head of navigation at the Great Falls. In the autumn, when the boats were loaded with furs, it was a comparatively easy matter to drop down the river with the current. It would have been almost impossible to transport the loads of goods on pack-horses across the thousand miles of prairie, where the traders would be subject to attack from hostile Indians. Adventurous men pushed farther and farther west through the passes in the mountains and began trapping upon the waters which flow into the Pacific. It had long been supposed that the Rocky Mountains formed a barrier beyond which our country could not be extended, and that the Pacific Slope was made up of mountains and deserts not worth securing. The explorers showed that the Rocky Mountains were not continuous, but consisted of partly detached ranges, and that while their eastern fronts were indeed almost impassable for long distances, there were places so low that it was difficult to locate the exact spot where the waters parted to seek the Pacific Ocean and the Gulf of Mexico. In southwestern Wyoming, the Continental Divide, known as the Great Divide Mesa, through more than a mile above the sea, is but a continuation of the long, gentle slope of the Great Plains. The Rocky Mountains decrease in height toward the south, near the line between New Mexico and Colorado. Here is situated Radhome Pass, an ancient Indian highway from the valley of the Arkansas to the Rio Grande. In the early half of the last century, 
This trail was much used by the caravans of traders, and came to be known as the Santa Fe Trail. In the early days of the American occupation of California, the Santa Fe Trail became an important route to the Pacific. From the Mexican town of Santa Fe, it led down the valley of the Rio Grande, following the old road to Mexico, and then turned west across the broad plateau of the Continental Divide not far from the present course of the Southern Pacific Railroad. Passing Tucson, the road kept near the course of the Gila River to Fort Yuma, and then led over the Colorado Desert to Los Angeles. This path avoided all the high mountains, but much of it lay across deserts, where the heat and scarcity of water made it an impracticable route for the immigrants. One not acquainted with the physical geography of the West might wonder why the gold-seekers, on their way to California, did not make use of the Missouri River, which, except for the Great Falls, was navigable for small boats to the very base of the Rocky Mountains. A partial explanation is found in the report of the hardships endured by the Lewis and Clark Exploring Expedition, and later by the Astor Party which went out to found a fur-trading post at the mouth of the Columbia. It had been supposed that after once crossing the Continental Divide, it would be an easy matter to embark upon some stream and float down to the Pacific Ocean. The parties referred to became lost in the defiles of the mountains, and when they finally reached the Snake River, it was only to find that rapids and waterfalls continually obstructed navigation. Although there was in most places plenty of water upon this northern route, yet the mountains were impassable for wagons. Because of these conditions, the immigrants started out boldly across the plains, following the general course of the Platte River, and crossing the Rocky Mountain Divide at the South Pass in western Wyoming, a place famous in its day. At this point, those who were going to Oregon turned northwestward to Fort Hall, a trading post of the Hudson Bay Company. From here they crossed southern Idaho, keeping near the course of the Snake River, until they reached the point where it enters the Grand Canyon. There they left the river, and climbing over the Blue Mountains, entered the fertile valleys about the present city of Walla Walla. From this place the immigrants followed the Columbia River to the Dalles, whence they proceeded either by boat or raft, until Fort Vancouver and the mouth of the Willamette were finally gained. Wagons were taken through on this route, and it was not dangerous, although accidents sometimes happened at the Cascades, where locks were built at a later day. The immigrants of California, who were the most numerous, turned southwest at South Pass, and after crossing the Wasatch Range through Immigration Canyon, came out upon the plain of Great Salt Lake. Then, traversing desert plains, they reached the Humboldt River, which they followed until it sank into the sands. Several routes had been opened across the Sierra Nevada Mountains into California, but those through the Carson and Donner Passes were most used. Several high ranges of mountains lay between the Willamette Valley of Oregon and the Great Valley of California, so that in the early days there was very little travel between these two territories. The overland trip required so long a time, and involved such dangers and hardships, that many preferred the water route, in spite of the fact that its ships were crowded, and the voyagers must cross the fever-infected isthmus. 
It is very interesting to note how widely different the rivers are upon the opposite sides of the Rocky Mountains. Those upon the east, with the exception of the Missouri at the Great Falls, are not marked by waterfalls after leaving the mountains. There are few canyons of importance. The streams generally flow in channels only slightly sunken below the general level of the Great Plains. The streams upon the west, on the contrary, are broken by rapids and waterfalls, and are generally buried in canyons so deep and precipitous that in places a man might die of thirst in sight of water. No other great migration of people over the surface of the earth ever encountered such difficulties as that which pressed westward after the discovery of gold. It was at first thought that railroads could not be constructed through the mountains and deserts, and until the mineral wealth of the west became known, many men believed that the greater portion of the country was not worth taking. It would be interesting to consider each of the main lines of railroad which connect the Mississippi Valley with the Pacific, and study the features of the country through which it runs, determining as far as possible the surveyor's reasons for selecting that particular course. Some of the railroads follow for long distances the routes of the immigrants. The immigrants, in their turn, often made use of the ancient Indian trails. While nature seems to have striven to raise impassable barriers to shut off the Pacific slope from the rest of the continent, yet she failed at some points, and through the unguarded passes the wild animals and Indians first found their way. Then came the trappers, prospectors, farmers, and at last the railroad, until the wilderness was overrun. Because of its temperate climate, abundant rainfall, and rich soil, the Mississippi Valley was rapidly settled after the pioneers had once reached it. The plains, rising slowly westward toward the base of the Rocky Mountains, were found to be more arid the farther they were explored. Consequently, there exists a broad strip of plain which is even today sparsely settled. The immigrants went on to the fertile valleys nearer the Pacific, where the rainfall is more abundant. The American settlers did not then understand irrigation, although it was practiced by the Mexicans to the south. Because the discovery of precious metals was first made in California, the pioneers crossed the intervening mountains without giving a thought to the mineral riches which might be concealed in their depths. Later, mines were opened in the mountains all through the arid regions. The necessity of providing food for the miners— brought about the discovery that the desert lands were very productive wherever the waters of the streams could be brought to them. End of chapter 23